0: Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Signs, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Hope you're doing well. Is it fall yet? They say it's fall. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty hot out there. You know, somebody asked me that the other day. I don't really think about those things, you know, and maybe other people do. I guess because of how our weather is, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, it, it just, it, sometimes it gets cold, but it's very rare, you know, so... However, that is supposed to be defined in our state as far as seasons and what color I'm supposed to wear, I wouldn't know. But nonetheless, a lot going on in the state of Texas, a lot of activities on the issues we care about. If you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom. And typically, it's in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And I've been doing some traveling lately. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that, some places I've been. I was in Washington, D.C. earlier this week at a location that I cannot disclose I was told not to say anything, so I'm not going to. Okay, that's just the way it is. But I'll be able to tell you a little bit about the purpose and substance, if you will, and information that I received and that I can share with while I was in D.C. A lot of good stuff happening there. A lot of talk about different issues that we're involved in. You know, one of the things that we like to do, though, even though our organization is based on what's going on in the state, There are things that happen in other parts of the country that can impact the work that we do in Texas and certainly can help us at times be more effective and successful in some of the things that we're doing. Um, And so one of the things that's great about Texas Values is we are the Family Policy Council for the state of Texas, and that is a name used for a collection of groups that uh, have state organizations throughout our country. And we have a, an association with Focus on the Family, and there are about 40 of us out there. And one of those groups out there is the Center for Arizona Policy. Our good friend Kathy Herod runs that group. She's actually from Texas, I'm just saying. We talk a little bit of Texas football every now and then. She went to the University of Texas. But Brianna Johnson, who's a member of our team, is going to be our guest today from the Center for Arizona Policy. Why? Because they had a huge victory in their Supreme Court On an issue that relates to religious liberty, First Amendment, and really about the government going too far. You hear us talk a lot about issues in Texas dealing with SOGI's, sexual orientation and gender identity ordinances or policies, and how damaging those can be. And oftentimes, you know, you're going to fight these things. you got to go to court to deal with it. But it really helps when you have a client that is having these issues applied to them directly so people can understand how dangerous they can be. And when that happens, if you can get a victory on that, it's a big deal. I, I don't think we've had any SOGI, sexual orientation, gender identity issues, make their way to our Supreme Court. Uh, um, we, we've dealt with things on as it relates to marriage on some of these issues, but not as directly as what happened in Arizona. So Brianna Johnson's going to tell us a little bit about that. Brianna, welcome to the Texas Values Report.
1: Hey, welcome to be—or happy to be here um, yeah, so we just had a huge victory for both free speech and freedom of religion here in Arizona. We're really excited um, and excited to see what happens with it.
0: Well, and I think I just like ran over the mistake you and I covered earlier. Brianna, Brianna, it's Brianna Johnson. I <laughs> apologize. I need to write that on my note here. And and we were talking about that because one of the clients in this case, her name is Brianna. Tell us a little bit about this court case. What happened in Arizona and why this is something that people across the country can be excited about as it relates to religious freedom?
1: Absolutely. So the story of Joanna Duca and Brianna Koski um, is that they're two young calligraphers here in Phoenix. Um, Joanna is actually a good friend of mine, and we do a lot of work with her. But their specific um, organization is called Brush and Nib, and they meet with couples and spend time trying to create custom wedding invitations um, that represents them, represents their relationship. Um, truly is a piece of art that reflects who they are. And um, they're both committed Christians, which is so wonderful. They honor God and God's design for marriage between a man and a woman. And so the city of Phoenix passed a sexual orientation, gender identity ordinance, similar to what you were talking about, the Soji laws, um, basically saying that Joanna and Brianna um, could be fined and they would face jail time if they remain true to their deeply held beliefs. And so um, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom filed a lawsuit on their behalf to stop the law, and praise God, uh, ended in a victory.
0: So here's what we see happening a lot of times, and people don't always understand this or want to come to terms with this. These laws on sexual orientation and gender identity, and oftentimes they're city ordinances because they can be a little bit more difficult to pass at a state level because there's a lot of opposition depending on what state you're in. But th- the way that they work is they compel, they force individuals to do business a certain way. As it stated in this article, the city ordinance compelled them to create custom art for same-sex weddings, even if it violated their deeply held religious beliefs. They had no choice but to file a lawsuit against the city of Phoenix. So these situations play out because the big government— or the local government, whatever level of government, government comes in and says, you must do it like this. You have well, exactly. to create
1: yeah. and so, a wedding
0: invitation like this. And if you don't, we're going to punish you.
1: Right. And so, I mean, the important thing is here that Joanna and Brianna, or Brianna, see, <laughs> <laughs> um, serve everyone. Um, if somebody comes in their store, you know, it's about the message that they're being asked to create. And just how you said, the government has no place in forcing artists to create something that's custom made that violates their core convictions. Um, somebody comes into Joanna and Brianna's studio and they want birthday invitations. They want um, you know, custom things for like, something that doesn't deal with marriage. It's different. It deals with, the, you know, what are you being asked to create? It has nothing to do um, with the individual who walks in the door. They don't discriminate. They serve everyone, but they can't serve all messages. And that's what is such an important distinction here, because, you know, and what's great about this ruling is that this is in favor of the LGBTQ web designer who doesn't want to create um, a website that deals with marriage in a way that they don't believe. Um, well, this is for the atheist who shouldn't be forced to sing at an Easter service.
0: And we've seen that happen. We have seen same-sex bakers, artists. We've seen these examples where people have gone in and asked them to bake a cake that supports traditional marriage or supports marriage laws in a particular state, some of these incidents, and they've refused to do it. And they think, you know, they're, they have the moral high ground and they have every right— But common sense kind of tells you, yeah, that's a little much to force them to do that. But I don't think any of those cases, I don't know if they've actually reached the court. When they get out in the public opinion, they seem to be very proud of saying, you shouldn't force us to do this. We're absolutely not going to do that and making a big deal about it. But that is the same principle that exists here. And that's what you're describing that it, you know, even though many of the incidents, if not all of them, relate to people that have biblical beliefs, if you will, about marriage or 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 support marriage between a man and a woman, that's a religious belief that they have. That same principle applies if it goes the other direction, if you will. That's the beauty of the First Amendment. And a lot of times Absolutely. people can't handle Absolutely. that. And you know, there sometimes it does create uncomfortable situations and people will say things or make signs that we don't like or agree with. But that's one of the things that makes our country exceptional. But we don't. But but the problem here and the concern here is it shouldn't be applied differently, uh, depending on what your viewpoint is on an issue. And thank God for, you know, having a reasonable Arizona Supreme Court to make this decision.
1: Right. You know, actually, um, to what you're saying, the court came with some really encouraging conclusions. And one of them, one of the quotes that is my absolute favorite, says. But the guarantees of free speech and the freedom of religion are not only for those who are deemed sufficiently enlightened, advanced, or progressive. They are for everyone. After all, while our own ideas may be popular today, they may not be tomorrow. And that's what this is all about. You know, the government has no place in telling anybody what they should and should not be creating um, with their artwork and with their speech.
0: Well, look, Center for Arizona Policy has been around since 1995, doing great work. Kathy and I have got to you know interact numerous times. I imagine this is something that people across the country will be celebrating or be encouraged by. I would also imagine it probably hasn't got a whole lot of media coverage because it tends to happen that way. But I'm sure that y'all's reach is pretty wide and broad, if you will. But we're going to continue to do our job. And getting this message out because this is what helps other courts realize, yeah, you know that that kind of makes sense. And when you get a precedent in place like this, even though it the Texas judges, if you will, they don't have to follow this. This isn't binding precedent, is it called, but it can be used as persuasive precedent, as we like to say. So you will likely see this being used in other cases. And I know something we're going to want to talk more about. Um, what do you? You we were talking about this before you came on air. This ordinance is still in place, though. So the way this works is this is a ruling as applied to this particular situation. But people in Arizona still need to be aware that this ordinance could be enforced against them.
1: Right. You know, so, I mean, the potential effect of the ruling is not quite in some claim. And that's been a bit of the narrative that's been tossed around here. But the court ruled that brush and nibs, pest and wedding invitations were pure speech protected by our Arizona Constitution over the city ordinance so in the discussion the court noted other examples of pure speech which does include paintings music written and spoken words film poetry pictures and this suggests that other wedding vendors such as photographers the writers the videographers such and such um, the poets who create the unique works with celebratory messages would also likely be protected
0: yeah that's good stuff I mean, and we saw yeah, some of we this, saw it. yeah, we saw we we, well, saw, heard, however you want it. I listened to the audio of the Supreme Court argument the first time around with Jack Phillips, and you heard some of these things being introduced, and, and some of that was written in the opinion, and some of that was in the back and forth of the lawyers. A lot of people forget how broad the concept of speech is. It's not just spoken word, and, and so... I think it's great in how it can take place in other settings and people realize, yeah, the courts have, you know, supported that or defended that in other settings with other messages for quite some time. And when you and and these are some of the most egregious violations. I mean, these are some of the things that the government usually has to be more the most careful about. There's a reason that it's the first amendment in our constitution because it's that important and so Absolutely. we're excited about this victory that you've had in Arizona, and like I said, we're going to want to talk more about it to our listeners, and I would imagine one of the things that's great, too, now you've got Brush and Nib. They get to go do what they want, and that should help the business market. That should help other people that are in business realize they have these type of freedoms. Now they can go out there and be successful and continue to do the great work they do.
1: Exactly, you know, and that's the beauty of a free economy and, and the freedoms that We all should be able to peacefully live and work according to our core convictions. It's how it should be.
0: Well, we're excited about this victory. We're excited about the work that the Center for Arizona Policy is doing. And we're grateful, and I know all of us are, that people like this company, these individuals, uh, Joanna and Brianna, um, have the courage to come forward and stand for what they believe in. And so often when we stand on God's Word and we have people— of the same values come along with us, we're able to find victory one way or another. Amen. I'm going to say it right. Brianna Johnson (laughs) has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. She's the spokesperson for Center for Arizona Policy. Brianna, give our best to Kathy, and we look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: I will. You have a great day. Thank you.
0: Yes, ma'am. Oh, that did make it interesting that the litiga- one of the, the clients in the case was Brianna, and our guest was Brianna. Interesting. All right, trying to keep me on my toes here in the morning on Friday. We have, uh, and there's a lot going on in our office today, but across the state, um, a lot going on. All right, uh, look, a lot of talk, um, you know, about our lieutenant governor, our governor, our elected officials, a lot of people retiring from office. Our good brother Mike Lang announced. State representative from the east, east, excuse me, west of Fort Worth announced he's retiring. Um, done a lot of great work with him. His wife, Katie Lang, not to be confused with the musical artist. His wife's name is spelled K A T I E. Katie. I think the musical artist is a, it's an initial K D. Anyway, Katie Lang, his wife, was the county clerk out in Hood County. She was the one that said she was not going to be forced to sign a marriage license that violated her beliefs. You may not remember that. It was four years ago. We did a press conference out there. CNN showed up. There were all the big satellite trucks. It was quite interesting. That was the day after or so the Supreme Court ruling. She stood firm, and uh, there was a lawsuit filed. The county caved. I won't go through all the details, but she stood firm on her beliefs, and then we ended up getting some legislation passed to sort of, in, in some ways, relate to that issue, and, and now the law is you don't have to sign the marriage license that a county clerk, somebody else can. So a little bit of unfinished business there, but in a lot of ways, still some protection. And she, you know, her courage, I feel like, had a lot to do with that. Mike Lang, though, is on his way out, former chairman of the Texas Freedom Caucus. Also our good friend, State Representative Dwayne Bohack from the Houston area, the author of The Merry Christmas Law. What a legacy. I mean, that that's something, if I was in state office, I would— probably never get tired of talking about, right? I'm the state legislator who helped save Christmas in Texas. And, you know, look, I'm smiling about it. It's a serious issue, okay? The reason that Dwayne Bohack filed that bill was because somebody came up to his son in public school in second grade and told him that the tree in December at the school, nobody, the kids couldn't call it a Christmas tree. Oh, what do you call it then? I mean, that's what it is. Right. And so, oh, don't call it a, you got to ho- call it a holiday tree. Well, what holiday is it for? So, this nonsense got resolved when Representative Bohat called us, called myself, and, and we got a team together and said, we need to deal with this in state law. And unfortunately, there have been other incidents. So, it allowed members across the state to say, you know what? Enough of all this. So, that was in 2013. We passed a law. Very simple. You know what I like? A lot of times when we're involved in drafting, they're very short. This law was one page long. If you look at the Pastor Protection Act 2015, one page. All right? A lot of times, you don't have to say a lot. And I will tell you, and it's not because I'm an attorney, but just from my background, having worked in some of these fields and dealing with this, saying less is oftentimes best. Okay? (laughs) You know, the more words you write sometimes, the more it allows people to say, well, maybe it means this, and maybe it means that. Nonetheless, State Representative Bohack is on his way out. We wish him the best. Uh, he's been a faith and family champion numerous times. Been involved in our issues, and look, he's a dear friend. Okay, you guys know if you've listened to the show, caught on several times. Grew up in Houston. Still have family there. Love the area. You know, I, my beloved H town. That's where he's from. So we do get a chance to see each other a little bit more since I'm in the area a lot. And he was there when the mayor subpoenaed the sermons of the pastors. He was there when the mayor. Anise Parker tried to pass a law and did pass a law. We ended up getting it thrown out uh, by a ballot initiative. But he was there when when they passed an ordinance that would have forced businesses to allow men into women's bathrooms and a whole host of other things that were concerning. It was a SOGI law, sexual orientation and gender identity law, that not just applied to the government but all people in private businesses, like the case we're talking about from Arizona. It could have and likely would have been used, whether people knew it or not, to not allow businesses that had creative arts on weddings to do things their way otherwise they would have been punished. So this is the only time a law like that was ever voted on by the people and it went down in flames, okay? 60 I can't even remember now. 6139. Okay, that's that's a uh, landslide, all right? That's more than Greg Abbott beat Wendy Davis by uh, a few years ago in the governor's race. Nonetheless, brain, uh, anyway, so Dwayne Bohack is on his way out. We had a wonderful policy forum a couple of weeks ago. Just so you know, if you missed out, we're going to do that every year. But if you want to interact with us on an event, we have our annual gala coming up on November 15th in Houston. I can't tell you who the speaker is going to be yet. It's going to be good. But I can tell you that Senator Angela Paxson's going to be there. I can also tell you Kelly Shackelford, one of the finest Religious liberty lawyers in the country. He was the one that led the effort recently to uh, at the Supreme Court. They won on a veterans' memorial um, up in the, uh, the northeast part of our country that had been there for decades. Huge U.S. Supreme Court victory. He is a warrior and a champion for religious freedom. He's also on the Texas Values Board. We're going to be giving out an award in his name. It's called the Kelly Shackleford Award. I mean, that's kind of when you know you made it, right? When, when you're still alive and they name a, an award after you, but it's well-deserved. And the person that's going to get it, it's going to be well-deserved as well. So we don't give it to Kelly. It's Kelly Shackelford Award that we give to someone, and Kelly is usually there. But it's someone who, you know, in some way demonstrates that same spirit and faithfulness and ability and importance that Kelly demonstrates year in and year out. Okay, I mean, he he's the shoes that I his shoes are the ones I tried to step into when I started doing this work. He was the one that was leading the State Family Policy Council at the time, Free Market Foundation and First Liberty Institute. They've now gone and become a national organization. And I was asked to step over, step um, into that role, if you will. And that's why we created Texas Values in 2012. November 15th, go to TXValues.org. You can find out about the Faith Family and Freedom Gala. This event sells out every year. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be on the west side of Houston. Beautiful facility, the west and over close to Memorial City. They have completely remodeled that area. A lot of great shopping around there. And it's going to look great as we get close to Christmas during that time period. But man, has the issue been blowing up here in Austin, the Austin ISD issue. If you're not aware of what's going on, the Austin Independent School District continues to roll out some very concerning and, you know, substance related to sex education stuff, some stuff I don't even feel talking about comfortably on Christian radio. It's censored, okay? We've got to filter this stuff. But if you go on social media and go to our website, we've got some more details about it. But it's way over the top. It's way out of line. And they already have to had to revise it because it was so bad and it was so dependent on the abortion movement. Planned Parenthood was essentially— writing sex education curriculum for Austin Independent School District. That violated state law because we just passed a law on that SB 22 that governments cannot have contracts with abortion providers of this nature. So Planned Parenthood's out. So Austin ISD is back to the drawing board. So now what did they do? Um, they went to Canada <laughs> to get sex ed. But that's not the worst part of it. The worst part of it is the content. But it, it should give you some idea— of how much of a problem they're having and and really how unwilling they are to listen to what people want locally, that they not only couldn't go to abortion provider, they had to go out of the state and they went into another country. Uh, And and so if you look at the details, go to txvalues.org or go to our Facebook page. They're very concerning. Some of them contain like cartoon type drawings that show, you know, almost like how to be in a, a very inappropriate position with another individual. I mean, it's hard to not look at this stuff and believe that it's encouraging children, you know, or, or giving them, you know, permission, if you will, showing them how to do these things. That's not prevention, you know. I mean, that's just being irresponsible. Uh, but some, but much of it is because they just don't see these issues the same way, and they don't. I feel, don't accurately care about what parents think. They want to get their agenda in place, and they think if they do enough of it, you will be forced to change your mind, whether you like it or not. And the way that I've read some of this, it certainly appears that if you believe marriages between a man and a woman, if you believe God created uh, people male and female, if you believe biology that there are ma- you know there's male and female and it's bio you know biological, if you just believe what you know the science, you're now the bad guy. And, and, and it seems like some of this curriculum is encouraging students to label you as wrong, as bad. Um, I'm going to have my, me, my uh, communications guy text me the word, though, that was used, if he can remember it, that they were using as almost a way to be looking for and describing people that support um, traditional values or biology on these issues. I forget what the word was. I don't remember if it was a sp- specific word or phrase. But really, you know in a way, kind of teaching children to be looking for that and to be saying that those people are not fair or there's something about them that's not right, to label them in a negative way, that is a long way away from sex education. Now, I have problems or concerns. um, Oh, this is how uh, um, the word or the way it was being used is it was one way to encourage them. Here's how to identify discrimination. And the way it certainly reads or appears is, Teaching them to be looking for people that believe uh, the biology of some of these things in, in marriage between a man and a woman. Um, they don't they they have these categories too of sexuality. And I don't think there was a category where it says one category is people that are attracted to people of the opposite sex. I mean, th- that really has been throughout time, you know, whether or not you believe there's always been gay people or people that are, you know, been attracted to people of the same sex. There's no question that the large majority, or however you want to term it, has has been in, in the biology of why we continue to exist as a society and as a people in, in, in being human is that you have people that are attracted to people of the opposite sex. That's no longer a category, or that's not included as a category, as a description. It's all these other categories, people that are attracted to people of the same sex or multiple type of people, and so... It's noticeable that that's missing. And so now what? All of a sudden that has become the minority or that's strange or whatever you want, or or that should be, you know, viewed with suspicion and concern. Anyway, it's gone way too far. And don't, you don't have to believe me. This is what liberal or Austin kind of ISD parents are saying. However you want to, you know, kind of categorize people that have their school in Austin, many of them are not. Conservative, so to speak, politically. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but I mean, look at who they typically elect. My point is, this is not a political issue. And you also have to wonder how much is this going to cost the school district when they continue to do these things that violate state law. We firmly believe what they're doing now also violates state law, SB twenty-two. And um, and I think that you're going to see school board members and parents say, this is not what is best for the school district. Enrollment numbers are down. There are major financial uh, issues for the Austin Independent School District. And now they've got themselves into another big mess. But we've got information at TXValues.org. You can find out about it. Our team has been trying to lead the effort to help more people get engaged. And a lot of parents are responding. You want to help support these efforts? We need your tax-deductible donations at TXValues.org. And we'll be talking to you next week on the Texas Values Report.